This week on Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. I hope y'all were taking notes out there because, man, that was a whirlwind tour. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast, where we talk about Star Wars Legion. We're going to talk some tactics and some competitive play. And I'm joined by my friends, Mike and David. What's up, guys? Hey, everybody. And I'm Kyle. Uh, that would be the third wheel there. Um, <laughs> all right. So <laughs> you, you're, um, you're the big wheel on this tricycle. There you go. We're just we're just <laughs> we're just we're just small back wheels hanging out. Right. We're tailing. Leg. We're tailing in your shadow. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought we were like that three-legged dog with the the two wheels on the back. Oh, thing. oh wow. <laughs> That's really sad. <laughs> yikes all right sorry off the rails before we even start um (laughs) set the tone all right so we got a couple uh housekeeping announcements the first just more adepticon reminders these are going to be similar from last time uh lists are due if you're in the last chance qualifier by the 19th of march so that is in eight days so get those in. Um, please submit them in TTA, so that's tabletop admiral format. Uh, that will make LJ's life easier and our lives easier for streaming purposes. So um, please submit them in TTA and submit them by the 19th. Um, and also just a reminder again to paint your dudes because there is a three-color minimum for Adepticon. I am I am officially in emergency painting mode. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I have... Uh, I have more than 20 miniatures to paint still, and we are down to like two weeks now, basically. So, what uh, what corners do you cut now? Do you just uh, do you leave the bases off? Sleep. What do you do? Sleep is the corner. Sleep. I'm okay, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, just I mean, like I... just like if you have like if you have eight hours, right? You just put on some music or something and just just knock them out. Just go go go. When when do you ever have eight hours? When <laughs> my oh, I, my painting time I, I, is measured in in ten minute increments uh, okay. in the evening. <laughs> well, I, I have a day off every so often, so you know, okay. it's different for different people, right? Different strokes. Yeah, I might have uh, to take different one. strokes. Uh, just different you All have right. different brush strokes. Hey, <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm probably gonna cut the quality corner and just like slot paint on my. I... I appreciate what you're doing. I uh, unfortunately have too big of a ego to <sighs> do that yet. I might end up there. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, I, I certainly doubt it. Not intend on ending up here, but it's an inevitability. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. All right. At least some of my guys, I have like Luke and a Rebel Trooper squad that are painted to. I mean, your painted stuff you know, looks great, previous... man. Like, well, yeah. So I can just point to those guys and be like, you know, that's what they're supposed to look like. <laughs> just ignore all these other crappy guys. It's too <laughs> bad that T forty seven looks so good. Yeah. Right. Oh, I know. Right. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Sad face. The the good yep. news is that the units in this game are so cheap that if you better put a bad paint job on them, and you can just buy another unit. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true yeah you know I, I wonder i wonder if you'd save time with paint thinner i mean i don't know i don't know, I, I don't know. i've never had a Not ton of thinner, but you know a ton of luck with stripping paint off models generally i don't know yeah i haven't had much luck with stripping either 
Uh, I mean, I don't think any you know, of us I'm not have my day job or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us have. Well, okay. Now that right. you mentioned right. it, we well, were uh, in Vegas the other week. That's right. true. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So should we like get on to? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So we're gonna uh, try and actually do some segments here. Um, we're gonna start with games played to the extent that we played games, which uh, we all did, luckily. Yay! Practice. Um, then we'll hit some tactics, and then uh, there's some new stuff. So uh, just a uh, public service announcement on the new stuff. We are not going to talk about the newest new stuff, which is Tauntauns and uh, the Rebel Veterans, uh, which look awesome. Can we um, talk about that for a like, second? Yes, we like, can talk about that. Those models are freaking... Oh, my God. Uh, so my immediate reaction was they stole whoever did the Space Wolf Thunderwolf Cavalry models and had them do this. And I am so excited that I might actually play a little bit of Rebels like coming up because those models look bonkers. Uh, yeah, those Tauntauns. I'm so excited to paint them. Uh, like I'm going to get one even if I end up not using them. But their rules look, at least from what we can tell, look pretty awesome. Yeah, so. yeah their rules look amazing. Um, and I don't think this is going to be a, a T47 situation where I buy it and paint it and look awesome and it goes on my shelf. No, I, I mean, I think the clearly the most direct analogy is bikes. But again, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole. They look amazing. Right, and yep, yep. let's go into games played. Eh? Yeah, we got to keep our eyes on the Good. prize with our Adepticon practice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I was in Chicago this week. Yeah, you were. Um, home of the... Uh, 312th. Uh, we had two guys on uh, the podcast from the Chicago area a few episodes ago after LVO. Um, John Griffin and Joe DePinto, who were first and second at LVO, respectively, and both undefeated. So, um, you know, some good uh, players in that area. Um, I was there uh, for another thing, actually, a fantasy baseball draft. Um, my hobby mistress, if you will. Um, but uh, yeah, I. Uh, Wait, wait, can we can we back up for a second? Because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> actually, this was this. I mean, we talked about you being in Chicago a couple times now, like before the cast and everything. You went for a fantasy baseball draft. Yeah, I'm in this fantasy league with a bunch of guys that um, can't you like I've been in a league with forever. Do that like and uh, over the internet. Yes, we can do it on the internet. <laughs> okay, but it's not nearly as fun. This is actually um, we often. Uh, a couple times we've gone like to baseball spring training to do it. Oh, so, all right. I just, that's a long a, drive to, uh, it is, okay. um, but it's where I'm from. So I got to go eat Portillo's, which is nice. also good. I had Portillo's no less than three times. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Um, so I didn't fly all the way there just for Portillo's, but yeah, I have a friend uh, named Tom, uh, who, who's, uh, also from the Chicago area and he recommended Portillo's to me as well. I guess yeah, we're gonna good. get good. Portillos. Uh, we absolutely are going to. Um, I'm gonna drive you there, and you can eat food or not. But I'm gonna get some. Okay. So sounds like a plan. Um. <laughs> anyway, so uh, games played. So I played a game with Joe. Um, I did not actually even think, uh, like to bring my stuff or anything. But I flew in on Thursday, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I remember when we talked to these guys that they said that their Legion night was on Thursdays. So I just messaged messaged them on discord and i said hey do you mind if i swing by um and joe was like do you want to play and like i didn't bring any stuff he's like don't worry i got you so i borrowed um 
you know, like you, Mike, Joe collects both Rebels and Imperials, so I borrowed all his Rebel stuff. Solid. Yep. And we played a game. Uh, he played, neither of us were messing around. He played his uh, LVO list, and I played my, uh, well, one version of my high command list, the version with Pathfinders in them, because I need to get them out of my system. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I've talked we'll about to this that before, later, but I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, so I talked about this list before, but it's just uh, Luke, Leia, four Z6s, fleets, uh, two snipers, and pathfinders with various upgrades thrown in there. Um, and he did his his Palpatine LVO list, which we've talked about previously also, but it's uh, Palpatine, six core, uh, to include two Maddox, uh, a sniper, and an IRG. Yeah, I'd ask if there was any modifications to, to that list, but um, we haven't had a peep out of uh you know imperial training camps for a while now so oh yeah you mean the <laughs> the things that rhyme with uh chronic industry yeah, something like that yeah <laughs> um no unfortunately we have not heard any peeps on that front which people are understandably upset about but um at this point i don't think we'll get them for adepticon i think empire will still be fine but we're we're tangenting yeah here. yeah yeah you good um, so there's a couple takeaways from this game. Uh, I was blue player. I had him by, I think two points. So we used my deck, um, with my Pathfinder Wonder Twins list, I have been cutting key positions because, uh, that is, uh, Wonder Twins is at a disadvantage to Palpatine, Vader, and arguably also Boba because of Bounty with that objective and uh, pathfinders are obviously pretty good at recover. So historically I cut recover, um, but with my pathfinders in there, I slotted that in and swapped out key positions. So um, it was a pretty favorable turn zero for me. Basically uh, Joe was in a position where he had to choose between either breakthrough or recover. Um, and he ended up choosing recover, which was probably good, um, but it allowed me to pick the deployment. Um, and I went with major offensive. There was this, um, this is actually a map that Joe made and submitted for the Adepticon terrain contest. Um, but there was this big flat temple kind of on the right side of the board um, that I could access with major offensive. Uh, so I forced major offensive and I dropped all my Z6s pretty much right on top of that thing. Well, three of them um, and my pathfinders. So uh, I basically just created a situation where I was able to like rain dice down on that mid box from on top of that temple thing. And I had Luke, um, near that mid box just waiting to do like a last first um box grab and i got him to um uh i kind of forced him to play given your anger early so that i could do that uh luke box grab potentially on turn four ish um which kind of put the pressure on him to to flood the middle so that luke couldn't do that so um it ended up being a uh, a W for me. I played the Pathfinders really conservatively, even though it wasn't recover. I didn't drop them on the middle box because I knew they would get, you know, given to your anger and then uh, pasted by snows. Um, so I did not drop them on the middle box. I just dropped them on one of my safe boxes and I basically used them as like range three to four fire support, which worked out really well. Um, and so what you're saying is you didn't infiltrate at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did a little bit. Like I dropped them on... You know, one of my safe boxes, which was range one from my deployment zone. Ah, okay. Um, I mean, so I got a little value out of it, but it, but not a lot. If all's infiltrate yeah. is is like scout three, it's still good. Yeah, and they have they have a great, um, you know, 
this thing obviously has a great range four dice pool. I was playing POW. He has a great range three dice pool. Um, and they actually uh, dealt the killing blows to Palpatine later in the game after Anali would die. Um, he had two health left, and they, they got like seven hits on him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, essentially I forced him into a situation where he had to like have a good Anali would die turn, and he was shooting a bunch of stuff in cover, and it didn't. Um, it wasn't a very successful Anali will die. He killed you know some minis from each unit, but he actually didn't eliminate any activations with it. Um, the, my, actually my main like strategic takeaway from this game, um, is kind of interesting. We, we timed it because we were both practicing for Adepticon. Um, so we timed it at two and a half hours. Uh, we were hitting turn five with like 15 minutes to go. So we both basically agreed that if we were playing under real time constraints, that would probably be the last turn. And the situation at the beginning of turn five was interesting. I had Luke in base contact with the middle box and with one of his unit leaders who was also in base contact with the middle box. And it was basically just that unit leader that he had left in the middle. Um, so we both knew that, you know, we each had two boxes and then that middle box was, was open. So I had played both my one pips at that point and he had also, so he played push and I played, uh, and Palpatine was dead by this point. Uh, and I played my ally. Um, he won the roll off. So he dodged and then grabbed the box with his one lone stormtrooper. And I'm like, all right, no problem. You know, I got a lightsaber, right? I can handle this one lone stormtrooper. And all I had to do uh, was kill him since I was up on points. I didn't actually need to even grab the box. So I aimed and attacked the stormtrooper um, with Luke. <laughs> and I completely whiffed all blanks. Um, wow. So, yeah, it was this funny situation where, um, like, I needed to kill this guy to win, right? Because he now has three boxes. And I whiffed with Luke. Uh, I did aim, so I rerolled, and I got just one hit on the aim, so he was able to dodge that with his uh, dodge token that he had taken. Oh my goodness! Um, so Luke is now engaged with this guy, so I can't shoot him. I had already uh, burned force push earlier in the game, um, so like, uh, you know, <laughs> and we both agreed that the game would end on this turn. So I'm like, well, crap. What am I gonna do? So I managed to still snipe one of his um, like rear box grabbers and force him to to drop a box. Uh, and it ended up working out <laughs> in my favor. But <laughs> like, I just wanted to want you to know that, that is the opposite of what happened to me this weekend. Yeah. So, well, I want to go back and talk about um, like must-win scenarios and probabilities. So, obviously, the odds of completely whiffing with Luke's lightsaber with an aim token are extremely low. It's like 2%. yeah, it's like supremely unlucky. But it's more than zero percent, right? Yes. So if you have a situation like that where like I absolutely have to kill this guy to win, um, you know, I had a I had a plan C, right, which was sniping one of those rear box grabbers, but it was a pretty low probability plan C. Um, because he had IRG back there too, so I needed a crit, which I ended up getting. Um but uh uh you know, I basically I didn't have a plan B, right? I had my plan A and then I had my crappy plan C. Um and plan B in this situation, the correct plan B would have been to just attack and then leave an action to recover and force push. And then I would have had 10 activations to shoot this guy with. Yeah. Right? I mean, if Luke missed, right? You're, you're likely to kill him without a name token, frankly. Right. So, like, not only is the aim token kind of redundant, but it also prevents me from, from being able to activate that plan B and, you know, push him out into the open where he can then be attacked by my other nine activations. 
so so is the summary of this is that you made a calculation error well right my yeah basically like if if you if you have the i didn't see what my option was my my plan b option like okay. i didn't see that i should have attacked and recovered force well, push that's, you don't you don't assume that's gonna happen right well and that's that's exactly my point right, right? Is, is you know even though like I assumed, of course, Luke's going to kill this one guy, right? Well, he didn't. <laughs> like, so if if your chance of failure is more than zero, and you have a, uh, you know, an alternative where you can increase your chance of success in a muscle and scenario, then you absolutely need to take that outcome, right? Yeah, that's all I'm saying. That's fair. Um, so I guess my question would be, why didn't you just snipe the dude? Because uh, he was already engaged with Luke. Oh, he, okay. So. He, but before that even started, you were already engaged. At, at, at the beginning of the okay. turn. Yeah, he, he, he smartly engaged him at the end of the previous I've turn. I missed that, that portion. Of yeah. Okay, cool. Because he did, I think, more than I foresee a situation where like, I with on Luke and he still wins because he has three boxes. Um, I think he correctly foresaw that as a possibility. Uh, uh, which is awesome because he's playing Palpatine. Right. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, that seems pretty loose. Well, I mean, what a, at that point, it's like you know, if you, if you if that's the only option you have, I guess. Um, and he almost he almost won anyway. So, um, no, that was on turn five. Obviously, if we had played faster, turn six would have been another shot at that. But um, yeah, it's, it's it was a lesson for me on like must win scenarios. And even if you think, even if you've got like a ninety eight percent chance of success, if you have a if you have a way where you can make that 99, then you should do it. Totally. I don't disagree there. So that was my takeaway. And uh, it was super fun to go to their their game store, Game Storm in Lamont. Um, and uh, there was, over the course of the evening, there was four different Legion games going on. So that's pretty good. And it was, it was fun to meet those guys again, several that... Uh, that went to LVO. So yeah, they got thanks, a real guys. active thanks scene. Guys for, That's what it sounds they like. They do. So yeah. you were able to confirm how active it was then, eh? Indeed, it, it was it was active. Sweet. So Sweet. Um, and and thanks guys for hosting me and for uh, Joe for letting me borrow your stuff so that we could play. So that's all I got there. So Mike, you played at Huzzah this uh, this week. I did. I played I played four games even though very few people wanted to play four games. Um, so I I, uh, I played against Matt Dunn and Gordon Chase, who um, are good friends of ours and uh, are going to Adepticon. I also played against a guy named Cody and um, Dylan Stevens, who I believe is from... Uh, you can find him in the Discord. Is Stevens, I think, is just his Discord name. Um... This weekend was a learning experience for me. Uh, it was an intentional learning experience, I guess is what I should say. So uh, round one, I was playing as Matt Dunn. He brought um, an interesting list like he always does, frankly. I might not agree with what he does a lot of the time, but he's always very creative and out of the box. Um, so he bought, brought Jin, Leia, Wookiees, Full unit of commandos, full unit of pathfinders, um, which ended up being an interesting list. And uh, 
I decided to take red player and let him have recover because I wanted to see how my Boba Veer's list could handle Jin on the box. Um, not well is the answer to the question. <laughs> um, it did not go well. Uh, how did it all fall out? Like what, what was the sequence? Yeah. Here? So, um, you know, he, he was blue player. He infiltrated Jin on the box again. Th- this was totally avoidable. I could have banned recover, but I, I specifically decided not to because I wanted to practice against it. Yeah, yeah, for the sake of practice, you picked the most adverse conditions. So, um, so, so he he threw Jin on the box. Um, I essentially set the entirety of my army up within. uh, We were playing, I think, major offensive, um, range three or very close to range three of wherever Jin would end up after a move. So I was just planning to see if I could shoot Jin off the table. Turn one was was the battle plan. Um, so I opened with coordinated fire um, because coordinated fire is a pretty good when you've got a target at range three and uh, b I figured if if there's gonna be a turn where you shoot Jin off the table, it's where every single unit in your army shoots a gin with five aim tokens. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, I would think that'd be true as well. I think you would carve her up, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so essentially what happened was he opened with coordinated bombardment, which I hadn't planned on. I thought he was going to open with rebellious because, uh, you know, um, and I... so Right, to get the one pip on gin yeah, and to get the double he, move potentially. Yeah, he, he picks up the box and moves and at least gets her... Like a little bit out of harm's way, right? So he coordinated right. with coordinated bombardment, maybe foreseeing the coordinated fire plan, and uh, suppresses a couple of the units. Not a huge deal. So I activate Veer's hands out some aimed tokens and also shoots um, shoots Jin. I think I got one wound on her with with um, uh, Veer's because he was also in range three. Um, and then, so he goes and pulls a token out of the bag, and I believe it was the first token he pulled was like a core unit. And he's like, "Okay, I'm improving." <laughs> I was like, "All right," and he improvs into into Jin. I was like, oh, "Wow, all right. okay, well, that what, was <laughs> what a lucky duck improving forward." Yeah, yeah, doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it does. <laughs> so, okay. so he, imp- he yeah. improvs into Jin. He picks up the box and runs away. Um, so the good news here is that I'm still, I'm, I'm like, I'm not in a bad spot. Most of my units are still within like range three or a, a minor move up in range three and I'm already, I've already got aim tokens and I can move up and shoot and all that jazz. So, um, you know, I start moving my dudes up like one by one and shooting her. I think I ended up getting like three wounds on her total in like the first four activations and, then so after four activations we're at staging ground uh Jin essentially has like heavy cover she's got four danger sense four she's got half health and this dude walks up and he like throws his medic squads as far forward as he possibly can and starts healing her nice and i'm just like all right well this kind of changes the game plan because I was only able to put three wounds on her 
when she didn't have Danger Sense 4 and didn't have cover and all that jazz. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it just didn't go well. And I, I, um, so I think in it, about halfway through the turn, I recognized this wasn't going to work. So I just shifted the game plan and went for the auxiliary boxes. I ended up almost winning the game um, just by pretty much almost tabling him. Um, just chasing him across the board and shooting him as I went. Had I, I think, had I decided to just go for the auxiliary boxes to start with, um, I probably could have just shot the units, grabbing them from the get go, and it wouldn't have been a big deal. Uh, the other option that I ended up considering was I think that it might be right just to um, engage Jin with Boba and. Just like, just like fly in there and uh, get her in. in yeah, <clears throat> just so she can't move. You know, it, it, I mean, if she either there's two options for her at that point, right? She now like is going to pick up the box and is stuck there, and his whole army can't shoot Jin or can't shoot Boba, which is still great for me, right? Um, <clears throat> or he withdraws and like I get the box, like. It just, I mean, I guess you can, like, he can toss the stun baton thing at Boba's forehead and try and bop him a couple times. But I think you might just want to fly Boba in there, lock Jin down so that the rest, of, so your IRG can catch up, essentially. Um, and then and then you throw a whipcord turn two. Exactly, if, yeah. And then she's, she's not good. going nowhere. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Would, would you consider using rocket turn one? Or do you think that would not have done enough? Um, I, so I, <laughs> I, the reason I didn't use rocket turn one was just cause I thought I was going to need a lot more than that. Um, mm, yeah, because the medics were in the equation and it just right, like, um, yeah. so I, I don't know. I, I think that overall it's, it's possible the rocket might've been good enough, but the thing is the rocket can't one shot her. Right, you know, it's only it's yeah, only five dice. Get, right. Um, yeah, it's not possible. Is, yeah. Although you can get pretty close to one shotting her with the rocket. Yeah, but you don't have an aim token, um, so I think. I mean, I think the average on it on it is like four. Um, so you're probably gonna eke out like somewhere between two and three wounds on that. Generally, if she's got duck and cover and all that jazz. Um, because if she's got dug and cover, you roll four out, four, four out. I guess she doesn't get she doesn't get the light cover, but she does get danger sense still. Um, I don't know. I'd have to math it out. But essentially, I uh, I don't know. I'm not confident that that would have would have done the trick. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I'm just I'm just spitballing. Yeah, I'm, I think I think the the kind of like the locket in melee is probably the best solution. Um. If they just want to with I have yeah, a, go for it. I have a question. So Boba's movement, mm-hmm. right? That's what eight inches. Yeah. And then the range on whipcord is range one. Yeah. So you can you can um, effectively you got like a twenty-two inch threat range for whipcord. Okay, so that that then means you can completely get around rebellious. I was just thinking this just occurred to me because rebellious only triggers when the unit activates within range two. So if you activate Boba outside of two, Rebellious won't fire. 
because it's it's like a worse standby in the sense that the unit has to activate within range and sight. It can't yeah. finish an action or move. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, I the thing is, you don't really need to worry about it on turn one, anyways, because rebellious is yeah pretty terrible. Um, yeah, it's actually a pretty terrible <laughs> card. I mean, it's I, I mean, I think it's good. I just don't think it's good in the in the box grab scenario. Uh, yeah yeah like, for just sure. because you need to be able to pick up the box before you activate the text on it i'd honestly take complete the mission over that just because you get the free suppression yeah that i mean that's certainly possible um and you can't be panicked it charges your danger sense so yeah I, so i guess um long story short here on this first game is that i think that um a week or two ago, we, we talked down the box grab with Jin. I think it's better than I thought it was. I I don't think it's like a KP type scenario. I think it is winnable um, in the same fashion that Recover has always been winnable if you decide to just not fight for the middle box and like go around the outside. Um, yeah, and no, actually, I had a game against Jay. Uh, a couple weeks ago now where I did the gin box grab on recover and he did basically what you're suggesting, which is, um, I mean, he threw some dice at gin, but he, he really focused on trying to contest my, uh, my secondary boxes yeah. and prevent, you know, throw suppression tokens and prevent troops from picking them up and or running away. And that's ultimately what, um, I think what won him the game yeah. in that instance. So I think I think it is very winnable if you if you decide to do that instead of trying to prevent Jin from grabbing the mid box. Yeah, I mean, again, this was a, just kind of like a test scenario. Um, I was mainly this is the first time I had played against Jin, like not online, and uh, she's good. She's a lot better than I gave her credit for. I think she is she is very difficult to kill with um, any kind of ranged attack that does not have pierce and or shot yeah like if you don't have a lightsaber in your list or and you can't get a hold of her with like irg because she keeps on like running away or whatever um or she's just far away to begin with she's really hard to kill she's insanely hard to kill so um that was my main learning experience for the day um round two i played against uh guy named Cody. He was playing a palp list. We played recover. I think a total of two boxes got picked up all game. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. He essentially beelined across the map and uh, jazz hands, everything in sight. And I, once palp was dead, I essentially just flipped the table and tabled him. Um, and uh he, he kind of ignored Boba all game and Boba just like ripped all the squads apart. So I didn't even bother picking up boxes because it was unnecessary. Um, and then game three was against Gordon, which was uh, also an interesting game in that I had the reverse situation of what you had happened to you, Kyle. I had a three-man IRG squad with an Electro Staff Guard on Luke. He one-shot them. <laughs> so he rolled six hits and he rolled all yes. blanks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Oh. So not even Son of Skywalker. No, 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 no. No, no SOS. It was one shot. One shot. Oh. Six natties oh. and six blanks. And I was just like, oh, that, 
like I had done an oh, amazing man. job of essentially just like boxing Luke out so that he couldn't touch any unit but the IRG. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to charge the IRG in there. They charge in there. They do like three wounds to Luke. I'm like, all right, I'm feeling great about this. And <laughs> they just died. It's like, all right, I guess the electro staff. Sometimes you pay for the electro staff and you don't get anything. Um, so that's not, yeah. Uh, uh, so that the end of that game actually became very interesting though. So, um, Luke did wipe my IRG, but essentially it left him in the middle of the map. We were playing, uh, I don't know, people may have seen pictures of it on Facebook because I think a lot of Matt's boards are on there. It's this Hoth map with the AT-AT and all the ice and stuff. Um, It's very open. So Luke's just chilling out there. I killed him. I I killed Leia on like turn two um, with Boba. We were playing Breakthrough, and Gordon got like most of his units into my deployment zone on like turn four, which was interesting because I still had heroes left, so all my guys were not in panic mode. So I just <laughs> my my plan then became to turn around and try and panic his dudes in my deployment zones off the board <laughs> because we were playing battle lines. Um, because if you panic in battle lines, you're just dead. Yep. So did it work? It did not because he ended up killing Boba. <laughs> but it was just it was a unique scenario that I have not run into before where you kind of like you actually probably shouldn't jump into the end zone if both of your commanders are dead um until like the last turn. If there's a panic issue going on. Um Yep. So that was interesting. Um and then me and Stevens played a game after the tournament. Um, he won the tournament uh, afterwards because, you know, I love Legion and was ready for more. Um, I can't really say it was a super interesting game. I think he was pretty tired overall. Um, we ended up, I, I gave him blue player. Uh, we ended up playing Sabotage. And he ended up coming to me because I think... He was tired, and it went very poorly overall. There's not much to talk about there. Yeah, and actually in our tactics a bit, um, I think we're going to talk about like how to play each objective. Yeah. And uh, if you're blue player on Sabotage, don't attack. Yeah, it was just... <laughs> <Yeah>. that's, <laughs> that's the short yeah. version advice. Um, yeah. Yeah. But we'll, we can elaborate on that later. Um, I mean, so, sometimes yeah. if you lose an activation or something, you have to, but... Uh, it was like yeah. one of those scenarios where I just hit all my guys behind a rock and he like he came around the corner and I was like, all right, Snowtrooper, you IRG you <laughs> and and like I deleted a couple of units and it just went downhill very quickly. Um so it is what it is. But uh all the games were awesome, all the games were fun. I had a ton of you know, fun this weekend and uh yeah. And Dave, you had something going on too, didn't you? Yes, uh, I played in a tournament at Great Escape, which is the store up in Sacramento. Um, small tournament, six players, um, three rounds still, because we just decided we wanted to play three games. Um, so I brought Luke, Leia, Pathfinders, kind of the similar list to what Kyle's running, just because you know I think it's definitely you know worth worth exploring. And if, I think I finally found my footing with Pathfinders as a unit. I know that uh, last time 
we were on the cast, I was sort of down on them and I'm like, oh, I'm 06, I don't know how to use them. You know, maybe they're not driving with me. But uh, I think I figured out uh, how to actually use them. And that's uh, just being conservative and then like finding your moment with them. Uh, just, you know, if you have an opportunity to infiltrate, do it. But if you don't, you can still use infiltrate to get to good places with them. And they're not, uh, they're not, well, they're tanky, but they're not like ridiculous, right? They don't, they'll still die given certain interactions, but they can't, they can, they have the ability to take a lot of damage. Um, so we played it, I played a great escape and the tables were, were pretty cool. There were, there were some sparse ones, but uh, they were, they're pretty much what you'd expect to see like an LVO or any other large event like that. So uh, played on this indoor table with some awesome trees and some uh, treehouse type terrains uh, for two of my games. And the first game was uh, Rebel Mirror. I uh, played against uh, an archetype I'm calling Honshu with Rebel Good Stuff. It's a list I've seen before. Um, so basically, uh, I've been talking up this archetype on the Discord, this Honshu plus you know Rebel Elite units because I think it's a uh, underplayed i think a lot of people see luke and they're like well luke's got pierce and he's got red saves and you know he's got all these great tools why would i leave him out of my list and and uh he also kind of wrecks the mirror i don't know if this is a good time to bring up the dichotomy between um rebel lists with luke and rebel lists without look without luke that occurred at lvo um kyle but you had an interesting interesting statistic about this so we previously talked about just sort of a general stat uh, from LVO rebel lists with Luke. Uh, when loss went 39 and 25 overall. So that's obviously pretty good. Um, however, if you break that down by uh, mirrors and cross faction matches, it gets much more interesting. Um, versus Empire lists, uh, rebel lists with Luke were 15 and 12. Uh, which is r- roughly 50-50 in a sample size like that. Um, and then you look at the Rebel matchups. So I broke this down further um, where there was Rebel mirrors where one side had Luke and one side did not, and then also just true mirrors where each each player had Luke. I... So okay, tr- keep, keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, so in the, in the true mirrors where each player had Luke... Um, they were seven and seven. It was an even split. Um, well, However, hold on. In... So let's talk about that stat real quick. Yeah, because this is like ahead. lies, damn lies, and statistics. Of, of, <laughs> of course, it's seven and seven. It can't not be seven and seven. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> All right, continue. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. That's a that's a uh, that's a total mark point <laughs> yeah. right there. All right. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, in situations where one player had Luke and one player didn't, uh, the Luke player went 17 and 5. So of the 22 games where one player had Luke and one player did not have Luke in Rubble Mirrors, uh, the Luke player won 17 times. Um, and that's where pretty much all of those like excess games from the 39 and 25 uh, breakdown come from, is in Rubble Mirrors where one player had Luke and one player didn't. Um, so... I don't want to like. I mean, we can. I guess we can talk a little cause and effect. I've always felt, personally, uh, when I'm just playing around with lists that don't have Luke in them, um, and I'm playing against another Rebel player, I feel like I'm in a in a much worse spot as far as countering Luke than if I 
you know, and playing against an Empire player with just about anything else. Um, I feel like Empire has more Luke answers, you know, in the form of uh, two Force users with Pierce Immune, um, given to your anger, IRG, Whipcord. Um, whereas, at least for me personally, the, the Luke counter for Rebels is Luke. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I, personally, I think that's more to do with Rebels not having an anti-Luke tool besides Luke himself. Uh, that is effective and consistent. Wookiees can do that a little bit. Um, and it, actually, all five of those games where the Luke player lost in that situation, the um, the other player had either Wookiees or Chewie or both. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like Rebels need an anti-Luke tool. Personally. Well, well, I'll just I'll add on to what you're saying, Kyle. Is that my experience both this weekend and in the past few weeks has completely reflected what the statistics saying and your instinct on this. At LVO, my games against... I played Water Twins at LVO, and my games against non-Luke Rebels, I was 2-0. Um, and my games against Empire, I was 1-1. One one. So that's completely reflective of what we experienced, or what you've uh, what you've um, uh, mentioned here with the stats. And I've also experienced multiple scenarios where Han Shui with Wookiees are able to smother Luke to the point where it creates enough space between that and Reckless Diversion that assault units like, say, an officer fleet or just buff units like Pathfinders can just mow down the 4Z6 um, of the loop of the Wonder Twins list and just kill them off, you know, just kill them off. And then, so, you know, Luke's alive, he's stalled, but then everything else is dying around him. <laughs> uh, so they just kind of just smother Luke and keep him bottled up with Wookiees and uh, create multiple, like, sort of threats. And I especially want to say that Han Chewie double Wookiee is actually really unexplored and I think is worth a look. It's going to take quite a bit of skill and quite a bit of a good turn zero to pull that off, like making sure you get good objectives like, say, intercept or sabotage, battle lines, you know, reading the board well and having favorable terrain. There's a few things that you need to have happen to make that reliable a reliable result, but I still think it's worth looking at. And... Um, Another archetype I'll just briefly mention also is what Dash, or sorry, not Dash, uh, Mike, what Mike, what you mentioned with Jin and Medics, I think that's another thing that could be looked at just in terms of rebel innovation. It's frightening. But, Straight um, up frightening. It's, yeah, and I'll, I'll say also Jin Leia won this event. Uh, I don't think he had Medics, but Jin Leia did win this event, and one of their wins, they went 3-0, and one of those wins was a box grab. But it was against someone that didn't know about it. So... so you know, maybe that's a one-trick pony kind of thing. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um. You know, we we talked about this a little bit before the cast, and uh, I know this opinion is going to be a little controversial, and that's okay. Um. But uh, you know, for the past eight months of this game, and and I'm talking pre-gen, pre-pathfinders, um, because that's what the L- LVO stats are, right? Um. You know, the majority of the experienced rebel players in this game had decided that Luke was like the best thing you could be doing. And um, I, I think to some extent, you know, um, the, the people that landed on that probably to some degree have a little bit better grasp of the game than the people that didn't. Um, so I don't know. I sort of feel like the stat doesn't surprise me a ton um, just because like, if you're not taking Luke 
A, you're probably already, you know, disadvantaged just from like a, I don't have as good pieces as you, but you also made that decision to not bring Luke, which suggests that you might be like less experienced with the game to me. So I, it feels sort of like a double whammy in that expect, uh, <coughs> at that, to that extent. Um, but I don't know. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I feel like the the versus Empire number would be more skewed if that was the case. Um, but, you know, uh, I get what you're saying. Uh, I'm going to just say one last thing before, you know, I should probably get back on topic, but it's a really it's a really good thing worth discussing in the long term. Um, if, if you're able to silence Luke or just kind of smother him and take him out of the equation, you're going to win the battle if you have Han and Chewie because you have Guardian and you have Reckless Diversion to split their damage. And like you have a you have a, a timing window in which you can make that happen as Han Shui Wookiees to keep Luke out of the fight for a little bit. And I think that's definitely something worth exploring as a strategy or, or as a tactic for Han and Shui going forward. And this is like playing I'm suggesting playing Han Shui non skew. So like don't play Shui Han Shui or Chewie Lei with triple sabs or triple flamers or whatever what right. have you. But just like a kind of normal a normal looking Han Chewie Wookiees. Right. It's list. like a it's like a Water Twins list where Luke is Han and Leia is Chewie. Yeah. yeah. And you and you can play double Wookiees, don't play snipers, play paths instead. Yeah. And I don't know if you don't have a whole lot of points left over after that, but at the same time you can still just make it work. Yeah. It's possible. And that's that's mainly because Chewie is kind of like this great enabler of all these sort of rebel units that are considered B tier without him hanging out. Um like even full commandos, for example, I consider them kind of B tier. But with, if they have room to work, that is, if they have Chewie standing behind them to guardian them, so they survive for more than one turn, <laughs> um, they can be pretty devastating. They really can. But uh, anyway, I, they win the attrition war, and um, that's pretty much what happened to me in this game. Luke got bottled up; he got stuck in contact with a bunch of Wookies. It didn't seem like it was a good idea to force push them because they'd charge other more vulnerable units. And so Luke just decided to stay in and chop them up. And I lost the attrition game. Mainly because Intercept requires you to be a cer- be at a certain part of the map at a certain time. And he had the cover near the point and I didn't. And so I had to run my core units into the breach on top of losing this attrition battle. And uh, eventually just lost the game because of that. So... That allowed me to submarine to a third place finish <laughs> in my next two games. Um, so the next two games I played against an Imperial list with uh, just sort of Imperial, you know, smorgasbord players a little bit newer. Um, uh, played like Veer's, Veer's Bikes, E-Web with like uh, Snows and Full Scouts with the Saboteur guy. And I made a I made a critical error. I forgot that you could arm out of, out of a melee and I got hit with a bomb. <laughs> I think I had four units get hit by a bomb, including the Pathfinders, but the Pathfinders, thanks to their Danger Sense, took no damage. And they took Suppression to charge their Danger Sense, which was kind of cool uh, that the Suppressive Minds worked against him a little bit with the Paths. Um, but I, I squeaked that game out uh, basically just on by virtue of having my unit leaders in the right place at the right time and suppressing him with my snipers from the backfield and just not allowing him to advance on the middle with any sort of... Uh, ability or speed uh it definitely came down to the pathfinder successfully killing off a dlt unit to win that game though uh and then the last game um we had a drop and so the to subbed in and he's he doesn't play as much as 
as the people playing in the tournament and he played like a boba bikes list and uh the pads infiltrate it was kp and the pads infiltrated onto his key position in heavy cover and just stayed entrenched for the rest of the game and he couldn't really unseat them just because of danger sense rolling hot them having dodges from leia there were there were quite a few good things going on there for the pads and they rolled really well and Eventually came down to Son of Skywalker versus Boba Fett uh, whipcord, and Luke won that role and killed Boba Fett with one swing. <laughs> like it just it just wasn't happening for him <laughs> after that. So that's kind of how how that tournament fell out. Uh, Jin Leia was the ultimate winner, and um, yeah, again. So I encourage people who are not like in tournament prep mode, like we are, start looking at these lists and take a good hard look because I think there's there's uh, fresh green grass to be to be mowed there in terms of you know just uh finding new finding new places to go yeah. within the game i think that Jin and pathfinders generally has broken rebel lists wide open frank frankly yeah absolutely i mean han Shui was on the way to doing that and i think Jin is is a new dimension you can totally play like more objective based and more like just supporting yourself and just, you know, doing tricksy stuff rather than just, you know, kicking your opponent's teeth yeah. in with Luke and fours and sixes. She, she's a, she's a power hitter that does something very different in the, in the same way that like Boba is a power hitter that does something very different than like Vader, you know, v- Vader and Luke are like pretty similar in that for the most part, you, you go forth and kill things. Right. Um, and, I feel like Rebels have kind of been lacking a a, a Boba esque character, and Jin feels like that to me. Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited after after Adepticon once I have some more time to experiment to try and cast off the shackles of Skywalker and play around with some other combinations. Yeah, this has been your project, but I think now you have enough material to work <laughs> with. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely will yeah. once Sabine comes out. Um, oh yeah. Like I think Sabine as a solo commander is definitely well, a thing. It's definitely not a thing. Sorry, she's you know not. what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you know what I mean. But like, like Leia Sabine, like Leia yeah, Chewie yeah, Sabine yeah. could yeah, be a thing. Totally. Um, yeah. Cool. So, what we got next on the docket? Um, so, you want to talk some tactics and how to play each objective? We can walk through them one at a time briefly. Sure. So just uh, you want to just name one, and then we'll just put our key positions. Uh, don't run into the middle too early. Don't run into the middle too early. Uh, okay. Do you want to elaborate on what you mean by that? Yeah. So I, I mentioned earlier that I don't like playing intercept the transmissions as rebels, just because it forces me to walk to a certain part of the board by a certain round. Um. Now I say this. Kyle informed me that I shouldn't be doing this, but <laughs> because of because of the na- the time limited nature of tournaments, I do not know that I can reliably reach six rounds. So I have a feeling in the back of my head that I need to get points on round two because points, you know, a bird in the hand is yep. worth two in the bush, right? So if I if I have points, then I'm set, and so I feel like I have to be at a certain part of the board by round two, and if my terrain does not allow me to capture in a way that is safe, um, I'm at a serious disadvantage. And so I, I despise intercept for that reason and love KP 
because KP is only scored at the end. And so that allows me to play how I want until time starts getting down. Then I can make my calculations about what I need to do to get leaders on the point. That's to actually an interesting win. take on it. I absolutely, uh, I sort of like hate it for the reverse, I guess, psychology of that. I think the fact that you don't know when a KP game is going to end that, that's that I to in, in my mind that just is a huge problem. Um, similarly, intercept so, and 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 breakthrough breakthrough is probably the biggest one, followed by intercept in my mind, and then KP, where variable game length is a serious problem when we're talking about an, an yeah, anticipated so, scoring points. Go ahead. Right, so for all these, uh, we're talking about in the context of a tournament where you may not actually finish all six turns. Yep. Yeah, we got to caveat this discussion with that because we're talking about you know practical advice for the real the real world essentially yeah. of tournament games. So like when we're talking about KP, um, my you know if, if we're talking like outside of tournaments, I don't I don't take the KP points until like. I don't even think about them until turn like five. It's essentially just a, you know, preserve your units, try and table your opponent. That's what it's supposed to be. In a tournament, though, you got to start, you have to consider taking those KP points as early as turn two, in my opinion, um, because the game could be over on turn four. And and you got to kind of get in there, hunker down, and make sure you at least have a claim. Um, I don't know. That that's That's how I feel about key positions. I think I think you do. I think you really need to watch the clock. Uh, this goes for all all of the ones you just mentioned. Uh, so oh yeah. Um, and you need to like have a, at least a good estimate when the game is going to end, and then you need to just plan for one turn earlier. Um, I definitely do think that, and we can we'll get maybe we can talk about intercept next. But I think particularly as rebels, like you, you definitely cannot just like rush stuff into the zone, so to speak. Um, because your dudes will just die. So you better yeah. save, um, bros. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Play Empire because you'll just win. Well, more. I mean, I, I think there's something to be said for, um, in a shorter game where you have to take more risky maneuvers and get your guys out of cover. Stormtroopers have a significant advantage. Yeah, definitely. Like if yep. you're forced out of cover to do something, those saves do make a difference. And that's exactly but... why I take intercept <laughs> out of my battle deck. Yeah. Any, anyway. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think I think generally speaking, if you're if you're we alluded to this earlier, if you're playing um, a rebel list and you have pathfinders, you should be cutting KP or intercept. Probably um, KP. Right? But yeah, I just yeah probably KP because of the potential bounty uh, impact. And also because you, you probably don't have any vehicles in your list. Not that a lot of people play those anyway, but obviously vehicles count for KP. So um, anyway, uh, I think personally what you can do as Rebels, you know, for those first couple turns when you're not rushing the objective is is usually on most good maps, there's at least some line of sight blocking terrain near the center. Use Luke as like a, a zone, zone control piece and stick him behind that line of sight blocking terrain. And then if your opponent, you know, starts pushing units into that center objective area, 
then you can use Luke reactively to start dicing for, for, Luke, Luke is Luke that is goes for Vader help as well. Really, I, I, I imagine Sabine is going to play somewhat similarly if she's got the dark saber. Um, I, I think that overall, if if you've got a lightsaber esque attack that is close melee oriented or force lightning, you can kind of zone people out with all four of those characters pretty easily um, in that fashion. Yep. Yeah. So that's kind of how I play and we can, we can lump intercept into this. Yeah. It's very similar. Um, especially. So one thing uh, David and I were discussing about this earlier, I, I personally view intercept almost identical to KP key positions just because so there is a round two scoring with intercept and it, and it definitely can matter and you shouldn't just like you know give that away for free but also don't like rush in there to try and get i am going to descend because it's only one <laughs> all right well let me, let, let me finish objection <laughs> um because uh you know there's essentially a double scoring at the end of the yep. game for intercept, right? You have your turn four scoring, and then you have whenever the game ends scoring, which could be as early as turn four. Um, hopefully not as early as turn three, but that happened a couple times at LVO. Um, so, you know, you can't, like, if if it means winning the attrition war to give up that first center scoring round on turn two, I'm, I'm personally perfectly comfortable doing that. Um, now, as an Empire player, your calculus may be a little different, but at least like for me, running Wonder Twins, um, I won't give that middle point away for free, and I'll definitely like make my opponent work to score it. But I'm not going to just like rush Rebel Troopers in there to try and stack you. So this is, this is my problem with the the timed games in that you know sometimes you don't get to turn four, you know, and clearly that's something that should never happen but if the game doesn't get to turn four and you didn't take that point on turn two you're gonna feel real dumb about it yeah that's very true i mean that's that's definitely a be mindful of the time kind of yeah. advice right like it, I, I, just, I feel like if in a situation yeah, where where you're not getting to turn four you're gonna have a feeling just early on the early turns like either setup took forever or your opponent was late or um you know, you're just not making a lot of progress in those first couple turns. Like you're going to have a good sense of whether an intercept game is going to actually make it to turn four or not. Usually by the, by turn two. Yeah, it's just like sometimes turns. you haven't set yourself up to take the point on turn two because you didn't set yourself up to do it on turn one. You know, um, it like yeah, I don't know. Um, I I think that in these time tournament games, you need you need to be active. I, in my opinion, you need to be actively looking to push two points and intercept on turn two. Um, but yeah, I view yeah. it the same way. Like I'm, I'm always fighting for turn two for the middle from the get go, and it just feels bad because I play lists like Wonder Twins, which don't like to bully the middle they like to just lay back a little bit and just attrition for a couple rounds and then send luke in to yeah, do the dirty work I, I will say i feel your guys pain nowadays playing veers boba it's a lot harder to do it without Darth Vader, frankly um <laughs> yeah i mean Darth yeah Vader, you, you just walk into the center in, and you're like yeah you're like, you're like, you're like this is thing. mine 
you know, <laughs> bow down to yeah, me, please. Oh, know, oh, I'm oh. a dark lord of the Sith. Oh, you wanted this and, point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's one advantage to him for sure. Um, here, here, have a have a 36 suppression <laughs> tokens after a master of evil yeah. your ass on this point. Um, I missed that a little bit. And I, and and just sort of briefly tangenting to tangenting. Uh, I just I just made that a verb. Um, going on a brief tangent to talk about like these two objectives and which lists should be cutting or keeping them. You know, I think we kind of already alluded to it, but if you're if you're Veers Boba or you're Wonder Twins, uh, that means you should be cutting one of these two objectives, intercept or key positions. I I personally ban intercept because bounty matters more on kp and again we already kind of discussed the fact that you cut kp because bounty matters more on kp which makes sense you know yep. um right and i cut intercept because <laughs> i'm a scrub <laughs> that's that's probably well, the I mean, reason like, so to be fair um i i all you know bullcrap aside when 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 yeah. it comes down to banning objectives, if you are not comfortable playing a certain objective, even if it's not the best objective to cut, if you know you're really bad at it just because like you haven't figured it out or whatever, um, you should probably just cut it. Yeah, or if it doesn't fit your play style or whatever, like you, nobody knows. You know, if you've if you've got the reps in, nobody knows which objectives you should be cutting. Other than sabotage, you should never cut sabotage. But, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> so that's 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 another thing. Maybe we can talk about yeah. sabotage next. Um, yeah, we can also lump that into breakthrough because they kind of share a couple similarities here, just in terms of player color and how sure. to do it. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, let's. Yeah, I think breakthrough is a little bit easier to score sort of at the last minute yeah. as red player um a little but, bit but yeah so sabotage often you know each each player places two objectives um which means that generally speaking sabotage sort of results in a stalemate or a points tie unless you've got a bounty situation going on um and blue player wins ties including points ties and including ties of zero points killed so like you know, if you were to both throw your objectives down and blue player would just, you know, uh, sabotage or repair. I forget which one specifically blue does, but <laughs> That's, I can never remember that. Okay, so <laughs> I can't either. Red, <laughs> I would so here, here's my mnemonic, uh, red repair. There you go. There you go. That's, All right. that's what I do. Red repair. Um, so if you as blue player just sabotage your two objectives uh, down to, you know, zero wounds and just chill and if nothing else happened that game and you ended in a zero zero points die you would win sabotage up to four wounds. yeah i mean uh, whatever <laughs> this is, you know this, what i mean i know what you mean Inter- interact yes. twice with each objective yeah. there you go uh, this you is go. kind of what i think the original kp was trying to be overall um in that it was like gives blue player a minor defensive advantage um yeah it it puts so as blue player you're putting pressure and sabotage on your opponent to to do one of two things they either have to be the first one to eliminate an activation which in a competitive game is actually pretty difficult to do especially if you're playing defensively or they have to um, take a wound off one of your evaporators and keep it that way by the end of the game so 
um, you know, the pressure's on red player and sabotage. And if if you're if you're playing with your deck, that means you're a blue player. So you should you should never be getting sabotage, yeah. in my opinion. Now, now blue has also has a slight positional advantage on sabotage as well, because you get to put down the first evaporator. That's true. So you can actually put down your first evaporator and force your opponent into a suboptimal position for their first evaporator. Can, well, well, can we talk about this a little bit? I don't want to go like haywire, but I know that there are multiple schools of thought sure, sure. on sabotage the moisture evaporators. I always put mine as far away from my opponent's deployment zone as physically possible, preferably on a board edge. So... Depending on deployments, certain deployments like zone more than yeah. map out than others. Um, if you're on a deployment like battle lines or advanced positions where it's just essentially the edge of the map, don't don't try and like you know use evaporator to, to zone out your opponent's evaporator choices. Yeah. But if if you're on a deployment like major offensive or long march, uh, depending on terrain, you might be able to do a like somewhat aggressive evaporator placement on your side of some kind of line of sight blocking terrain to essentially like push back the safe areas where your opponent can put their own evaporators. Now this is highly terrain dependent and map dependent and deployment zone dependent, but it is possible as blue player to essentially like put your opponent in a position where one of their two evaporators is not in a safe That's position. It, it, it yep. definitely takes some practice to execute that without like screwing yourself with that first placement. Yeah, uh, which I've done. Um, <laughs> yeah, you got to you got to be super careful when you do this sort of thing. So yeah. it's black magic, right? But it is it is possible, you know, as blue player. Yeah. I seem that, to so. remember a game in Endless. I think you might have been the one playing in it, uh, where you yeah. threw. It was it was uh, I think it was that Lothal map with the town. Do you remember that? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 and you Tarkin like Town. tossed your evaporator like way up and to the right, very aggressively, because you like wanted the evaporator to be like close enough that your guys could like do stuff to it, but also like participate in the fight. And um, yeah, he ended up like back capping it on you. Yeah, he back capped it one time. That was pretty awful. I, anyway, that that was kind of like, and this is the danger of trying to get kind of sneaky greedy with. That, that's why I said it was. That's yeah. why I said it was black magic. You uh, you can you can play yourself. As you can, as you can definitely out, Yeah, you can definitely outplay yourself uh, by trying yeah. that. No question. Um, I think yeah. the, the biggest thing is is blue player. Um, as someone who actually doesn't mind being red player on sabotage, is that like maximum firepower and boba rocket can blow an activation off the board if you're not careful. And specifically, like a sniper team or like a four-man unit of you know rebel troopers, um, just make sure that you you're like keeping your stuff where they can't get blown off the board by anything. Yeah, that that's the thing. As as red in the situation is that status yeah. quo, you're losing from the from the start, and you're trying to destroy an activation quick to force blue out of their hole. Basically, because you're playing both breakthrough and sabotage, and this kind of like blue is the defender mindset, and the incentives are all screwed up, and blue shouldn't be engaging until they take damage or lose a unit. They should yeah. just stand by. Because as, as red player, often what time what I'll do is I'll like maximum firepower turn one a unit, and then 
uh, on turn two, I will Boba Rocket the same unit in uh, theoretically it's generally dead by then. And then I just pull everybody back because I'm now blue player. Essentially. Um, yep. So you, you got to that. That is something you got to watch and be careful of. Yep, for sure. You gotta start. You just got to do the points calculations while your opponent's moving. You just got to get that going. Yeah, and you know, I, I think, I think Veers Boba is uniquely positioned. Oh, for sure. To pull that off, just because of the yeah, because of the double the nuke coordinated bombardment yep. doesn't really even come close, and unless there's sniper teams in the open or something. Right, or unless you can get a cross angle. That's also Pathfinder. true. I, Pathfinder changes that equation a little bit. Um, so do we want to briefly hit breakthrough? It's kind of a similar concept with a little bit more, uh, possibility for like last minute scoring by red player. Well, by other player really, um, cause all you need to do is get into that end zone. Breakthrough is just the messiest um, objective, it's, man. It's, it's very messy. <laughs> like, I just, I always have a plan it, it, and it never work, like goes the way I want to. <laughs> Well, we we could talk about like just to, just to get the the ball rolling on it. We could talk about um, disarray with breakthrough, well, which kind of presents a unique challenge in the game. Um, so the way the way I view disarray is that you're kind of bidding for what side you're going to actually put the majority of your forces on. You're kind of playing chicken with your opponent. How many how many are you going to put in that other deployment zone? really how many, which is like your opponent's support edge deployment zone. And you're kind of playing chicken and you're trying to figure out, you know, who's going where for that first part of the game. And you'll get to a situation where, you know, you just have like a, you have a number of total unit leaders. And if you add activate your opponent, you could actually just run to the weak deployment side, whatever side that is. As long as you've got intervening cover or some ability to keep yourself relatively safe, you could just pile into that one corner that they've, deployed their weakest units at and you can actually play a game of breakthrough with that's like relatively bloodless in fact i think i have an example of that game where i had a game against atst snow troopers but i had breakthrough disarray and my army just ran away from my opponent's army because he couldn't catch me and like the one turn his atst was in a place to do damage han just reckless diversioned it and he couldn't kill han with the atst it just wasn't close enough to actually do damage to him an uncanny luck belt. It's an out. interesting scenario just because rather than it being dictated by blue player or red player, it's strictly dictated by whoever has less activations is has to be the aggressor, right? Um, so it, it, whenever you're looking at objective cards and you look across the board and you have less activations than your opponent, generally speaking, you should try and avoid breakthrough, I think. Right, because of the score, you know, like if no units are killed, the score for breakthrough effectively is right. your activation count, right? So if you've got 10 and your opponent has nine, you know, before any units are killed, the breakthrough score is 10 to nine. Um, and that's kind of what David was talking about with like breakthrough disarray. This yeah. is especially applicable for wonder twins because you, you can sort of uniquely like place two reasonably strong forces in both of your deployment zones. Um, and I, I think on breakthrough disarray, uh, uh, personally, I feel like that's a huge advantage for a Wonder Twins list because you just basically collapse on your opponent's weak deployment zone and eliminate the, you know, whatever one to three activations they have over there. And then you've got 10 activations moving towards that far deployment zone and your opponent essentially has to catch you. Um, 
you know, because if they don't do anything, then you're going to win 10 to 9 or 10 to 8 or 10 to 7 or whatever. So um, uh, personally, I, I think, you know, that combination, that specific combination, disarray breakthrough is is very advantaged for, for dual commander lists for that reason. And disarray in general, obviously, is, but I think uniquely so for breakthrough, just because you can collapse on that weak yeah. deployment zone. Courage to assault units of any type are also heavily favored on breakthrough disarray, just because of their one, they have courage too, so they can operate pretty independently, and uh, two, because the zones are equidistant from each other. Um, you've got range four between each zone, so your assault units are well poised to make contact by the second turn and just start blowing blowing stuff up. Especially snow troopers with officers are in a pretty good position just to, to engage on the short edges. And and it's always good to look at both directions and figure out which one is uh which one's better for you. And honestly, like short edge, sorry, sorry, not short edge, long edge deployment where you have the two. Um, I mean, if if you look at it, it's like battle lines divided in half, and so the gap between the two, that area is definitely worth looking at and considering almost more than the vertical direction. You know, which is directly, which is going across. Right, and our our eyes deceive us because we perceive um, horizontal distances differently than we perceive vertical distances. So these vertical distances look longer than the than the horizontal distances. Yeah, even though they're actually very close to each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, Little geometry. <laughs> yep. So do we want to talk uh, recovers the last one. Oh, what to say about recover? Well, Boba Fett's really good at it. Yeah. As a jump. I mean, uh, if if Jin's on the other side of the table, he's less good at it. How to play it? Um, it's not always about the center no. box. That's like the biggest piece of advice that I could give to someone: is look at all the boxes and figure out what to do. Don't focus on the center if uh, you can avoid it. The other thing. I, the biggest thing that I would recommend to people is that um, if they've got like a unit leader carrying a box and you have snipers and they're not in a place to like line a sight block you, let them carry it until the last turn if you can't get to it. Like if you can, if you're not going to be able to go pick that box up, don't let that one unit leader drop it until you know they can't pick it back up. Yeah, because there is there is a possibility that uh, you can, you know, like I talked about my game earlier with Joe, like where you can snipe a a rear uh, box holding unit and force him to drop a box. Um, there's also a couple other like ways to do that with things like force choke, um, where you can, you know, obviously if you force choke a unit leader, that unit leader will get re will re replace another model, but if they're carrying a box, they still drop that box, so. Same goes with like terrain scoping. Anytime you can, anytime you can actually kill the unit leader model, the box gets dropped. So, yep. Um, anytime a unit leader panics, the box gets dropped. Also true. Also true. Um, so, just like general recover advice, just going back to the, it's not always about the middle box. If if you're facing against a list like Jinner Pathfinders or Boba Fett, where they're heavily advantaged, you know, to potentially grab that middle box. Um, and you want to make it about those secondary boxes, 
you know, usually, like if your opponent's in a position where they can force recover, then you're going to be able to pick the deployment zone. So if you do like battle lines, you know, blue places their boxes first. Um, so if your opponent puts one of their safe boxes on, you know, side A, then put your safe box on side A. And then, you know, probably they're going to put their second quote unquote safe box on that same side and then put your other safe box on that same side and just make it like a scrum. Especially if you're, you know, you have a commander like Palpatine or Vader where they excel in tight areas like that. Yeah, you know, just returning Wookiees, Snowtroopers, any of those assault type units. Right. You know, essentially just make it about those four boxes and and f play force your opponent to play in a three by three table, essentially. Uh, also, in the same vein, um, major offensive, avoid deploying your quote unquote safe boxes to the left of your panhandle. So if you if you look at the major offensive deployment zone, there's like a oh, three by yeah. three square or a range band square, and then you have the little panhandle. Avoid putting boxes to the left of that panhandle because that is a pretty vulnerable place unless you have a piece of line of sight blocking terrain. That's danger zone. Don't do that. Yeah, do not do that. And that's actually that's actually how I won recover because there was a box in that exact location and it's it so got crushed. Close. Yeah. Yep. It's uh you definitely want to put them on that right side, like near the fat edge of your deployment zone. Yep. And major offensive. Um couple other things too with advanced positions you can grab a box or recon intel you can grab a box on the first turn you know your safe boxes and don't just like forget about your safe boxes the earlier you can secure those the better because it's possible that your opponent can suppress units or whatever and make it more difficult for you to grab those boxes so yeah don't fight with a box unit as obvious as that sounds unless it's a dire emergency unless you need to charge luke yeah right <laughs> <laughs> right um, as far as like ways to get the middle box, um, we talked about units like Boba and Luke being advantaged because they have jump. Usually that entails like hiding with that unit behind some piece of line of sight blocking terrain near the center and then doing a last first activation with them. So last jump in there, grab it, and then first jump out and run away with it. Um, pretty straightforward. But if you, if you have a unit like that, you you absolutely can put pressure on your opponent to, to try and flood the middle for that box to prevent that from happening. Um, just because, you know, at some point in the game, you can create a situation, especially if you're up on activations, where you can kind of do that at will. And then that, again, you know, we, we talk a lot about, like, we've talked a lot so far about creating a defensive situation. That's how you create a defensive situation on recover, basically. All right, you guys got anything else on objectives? No, I think uh, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, gosh, we've we've spent quite a while. <laughs> yeah, and we... uh, so I hope I hope y'all were taking notes out there because man, that was a whirlwind tour, and um, <laughs> it's a lot of info. And uh, uh, if, you, if you have to rewind, because there's a lot of good good stuff in there. A, a little bit of a little bit of brain yeah, vomit you know. going on there. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the so best we were kind of vomit. we were going to talk about the live stream reveals of Bosk and Sabine's command cards, but uh, oh my goodness, we can. I guess we have <laughs> something to talk about next time. Slow news day. Yeah. Right. It's not like <laughs> yeah. <we> no. <laughs> I mean, it's disappointing that we haven't gotten the Chronic Death Troopers article, but it's definitely not like we're hurting for uh, spicy things to talk. I about. I mean, oh, I just like 
I don't know. Have we even gotten the reveal article for them yet? Like the, I mean, we got the reveal article, but the actual like the showcase article. If we get s- no, scrapped no. like Imperial, you know, officers or whatever again, it's kind of feel bad. Yeah, they owe us that specialist article. You know? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> watch, watch them push out the Imperial specialist article uh, like this Thursday. <laughs> yeah. <And then> we- <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Um, I would like to say, uh, overall, now that we we're touching sort of on the um the live stream, and I want to do this very briefly. Luke, Alex, if you guys are listening, that was fantastic. We would like to see more of it. It that like that sort of thing is awesome community building. It gets everybody in the same Twitch chat. Everybody's excited. We're talking about the new stuff marketing department please do more of it yeah that would be awesome even if i mean it was awesome to see luke and alex play um but just you know just do more of that in general like show some show some random legion games on your on your channel like that can't be i mean i don't i don't know how hard that is yeah <laughs> if, if you guys are too busy to do it it could be two random dudes doesn't matter to me uh, just like yeah it was it was awesome please do more of it all right, you guys got any other final thoughts? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. All right. Hold on. <laughs> that was that was deep. That was super deep. Yeah, that, uh, was per- that was a profound silence. Yeah. All right. So next next week we're gonna be like less than two weeks out. Oh god. From, oh my gosh. Oh my so much painting, so little time. Oh man! So much that, practicing. Yeah, I feel yeah, I feel good skill. on the on the practice front things. I'm I'm okay there, but I I feel like I can personally I can never get enough reps in. Yeah, yeah I mean, like likewise, you can always get more, right? But I'm kind of I think at the diminishing returns point with this list. Yeah, and at least me personally. I have uh, I have literally tens of minutes every day to dedicate to uh, this blog writing, uh, painting, and playing games. So, um, yeah, I think I think painting is gonna have to start edging some of that other stuff out at some point. Um, all right, so uh, we are the Notorious Scoundrels. I am Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. And we will see you next week. Later. Join us next time for another edition of the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. This has been a Fifth Trooper production.